This is the Health, Heal and Thrive podcast and I'm your host, Tracy McBee. Hello everyone, it's lovely to be with you again for another episode of the Health, Heal and Thrive podcast. Today I want to talk to you about resilience. It's a topic that we've been discussing in the Art of Thriving Um, And it's a pretty big topic and really tapping into what I call innate resilience is something that I think all of us want to do and seek to do um, as often as we can because that is what's going to bring us a peace of mind, an ability to deal with the inevitable, you know, waves of life as they get thrown at us. And it is all about the mind, but you know, largely, again, there is a misunderstanding that resilience is something that we either have or we don't, that some people have it, but I don't. And like so many of the psychological resources we need to draw on to access resilience, it's within us. We've all got it. We all come here with it. But what happens is it gets covered over by the chatter of our mind, the reactive habitual Um, way that we have dealt with life and we tend to lose our connection to this innate essence that's within us. So, you know, I think one of the biggest gifts that's been given to me over my own healing journey is understanding the universal nature of the human experience and understanding that what I thought was just a problem with me actually wasn't. It was just a misunderstanding of how we work and I love showing my clients this. I love helping them to step back from their own me thinking, their own me mind, that it's all me, that I'm the one I'm the one that's broken, that there's something wrong with me, and showing them that in fact it is a universal experience, human experience, and we all have it as a consequence of this mind that is designed to keep us safe, it's designed to look for threats, it's designed to help us survive in a tribal way where if we didn't have a mind that evolved like this, we wouldn't be here. We would have been eaten um, and we would have died out as a species. So understanding that, finding acceptance that that is how our mind works actually frees us from it and it helps us to see who we are beyond the habitual nature of our mind. So that habitual default setting, which so many of us sit in as adults, not as kids. If you look at a toddler, you will see them in the present moment just exploring and being in life. But as adults, due to all the experiences that we have and how we navigate the world and how our mind helps us remain safe, which is a fundamental need, this safety and this connection, how our mind does that tends to actually innocently disconnect us with what is actually within us. Um, And you can't lose something that's a part of you. So, you know, really my job is incredible and I get to show people what's actually already there and help them to dig through and uncover it for themselves. And resilience is no different to that. And it's about growing the resources in your mind that you need to navigate the world that helps you, I guess, to take ownership of your own mind. And I, I talk about our mind as like a garden. If you think about a garden, you know, we have to tend to it. If we want it to be something that we're going to enjoy, we have to pull out the weeds, which to me are, you know, a lot of the the negativity, the habitual reactivity, a lot of the stuff that says I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I can't do it, I'm I'm too old, I miss. We've got to pull those weeds out because they actually don't help us thrive. They don't help us to 
have an abundant, thriving life. And we need to plant the flowers. So the flowers are things like curiosity, creativity, confidence, uh, motivation, compassion, love, all these things that actually give us the richness and a peace of mind and, you know, create the opportunities for us to have beautiful experiences in life. We've got to do that. And the soil, well, the soil is essentially, to me, the way I see it is what we nourish our mind with and what we nourish our body with. And that comes in the form of obviously what we feed ourselves. So our brain absolutely thrives and needs certain nutrients. It needs plenty of healthy animal fats. It needs plenty of animal vitamins and minerals. It needs plenty of protein. And we need to avoid the things that damage it, which is processed foods, sugars, seed oils, drugs, alcohol, all of those things do damage to our brain. So if we think about that in context of a garden, we've got to put the good manure on it if we want to be able to pull out the weeds and to grow the flowers. So we that's really what resilience is, is being able to tap into the resources that you already have within you that you may not have access to readily, but you can change that which is incredible. So what is it is resilience in my view anyway? It's being able to cope with adversity and see challenge as an inevitable part of life that ultimately gifts you with opportunities. I mean that's that's life, right? We want many opportunities, we want to experience a range of the mosaic of living and obviously being alive is going to automatically gift us with pain. So we're all going to experience sadness and grief and loss and you know illness and injury and we can't avoid that there is nothing that in my work I can gift anyone to help them avoid the natural consequences of life you know we can hide from that we can do our best to avoid it but we can't totally avoid it and what we need to know is that we have everything we need inside of us to actually navigate the waves when they come when when we get hit sideways by something we don't expect we do have everything we need to help us get through those experiences and really uncovering this and cultivating in your mind these psychological resources every day is going to help you to tap into that when you actually truly need it because it's not when things are going well that we need to tap into our resilience we need to cultivate it when things are going well so that we can access it when things uh, don't go well for us So I thought I'd read to you the primary inner strengths I see anyway, the psychological resources that really encapsulate resilience and help us to be resilient in the face of the natural waves of life. And to me, they start with compassion and then I'm going to read this list and then I'm going to come back to compassion. And this was the topic that we talked about in the Art of Thriving last night. Mindfulness, learning, grit, gratitude, confidence, calm, motivation, intimacy, courage, aspiration, generosity. How do those words feel to you when I read them out? I think, you know, all of us to some degree, you know, will be sitting on a spectrum in terms of how easy or not it is for us to access those things. And, you know, they're all within us. They are all within us. We come equipped with all of these things. But as I said, we just lose sight with it and we We forget that it's there and then we don't know how to access it when we need it, which is in those times of stress. But it has to start with compassion. And that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about now. Why? Why does it have to start with compassion and compassion for what? 
Well, it has to be compassion for you, for yourself, because you have to recognize your own deep needs and feeling moved to do something about it. Otherwise you won't. That is the first step to healing. It has to start with compassion for you. Otherwise you won't be motivated to move anywhere. And without that, it'll be too easy to just um, not do the work, to not show up, to not practice cultivating these other resources. It will just be overcome by the habitual nature of your mind, of everyone's mind, but of course yours is unique in that your stories will be unique to you, but they'll have a negative nature and, and negative spin. And when you are in the throes of life and being thrown about by the waves and by life, if you don't have access to these other resources, you will just be reactive and reactive in a habitual way. So however you've handled it in the past, which may or may not have been the best way to handle it, that's what you're going to bring to this to the fore as well. So really, that doesn't feel like choice. That's reactive and habitual. That's not choice. Now, that's what our mind will do unless we cultivate another option or other options. And we have to do that through learning and we have to do that through awareness and we have to do that through practice. Nobody can gift you with these things. This is your work. This is the work of healing. And it does start with compassion. But as you grow in these strengths and become more resilient, you know, you're going to feel less anxiety and irritation, less disappointment and frustration and less loneliness, hurt and resentment. And then when the waves of life do come, which they will, you will meet them with more peace, contentment and love in the core of your being. And who doesn't want this? Isn't this something that we all want more of? It's something that I think it really is the essence of living a thriving life and an abundant life. So I want to read a quote to you by a person called Rabbi Hillel. And the quote is, if I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? If not now, then when? If not now, then when? Compassion for yourself is fundamental and usually the first place to start on the road to well-being. If you don't care about how you feel, as I said, and don't want to do something about it is very hard to make an effort to become more resilient. So please understand that you have to make an effort to get the things that you want. You have to make an effort to build the psychological resources that you want. We all come with them, but it's not going to be at the forefront of our mind due to the way our mind works. And that's one of the biggest barriers. You know, there's many barriers to resilience. But not knowing this is available is one of them. Not understanding how the mind works is another. And not remaining conscious and not being willing to practice and get better at accessing it. And I think all of those is a total misunderstanding of the mind. It doesn't have to be that way at all. And with awareness and being willing to do the work and being willing to practice, you will be able to build these things. But essentially, it's why most people don't because it's hard work, but the work is where the juice is. So don't avoid the hard work. It's a part of healing. It's a part of thriving. And, you know, it doesn't feel like work forever. It only feels like work when you're building it. Think about when you learned to drive a car. Felt like hard work. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of mistakes. But now you get in, you don't even think about it. Well, this can be the same if you put in the effort and the practice to build it. Compassion in and of itself is both soft and muscular. Studies show that when people feel compassion... Motor planning areas in the brain begin preparing for action. So compassion is different to sympathy and empathy. Passion is next level. We put ourselves in the shoes of something else and we actually do something towards helping them. And 
that's the action part that comes with compassion. So part of feeling compassion for yourself is then seeing that you actually can do something about it. You can, your body is preparing and priming yourself to action. So what is that? It's not feeling sorry for ourselves. Very different. That's not compassion at all. That's victimhood. And we don't do a lot when we're a victim. We kind of sit back and wait for everybody else to do it for us. But if we can feel genuine love and compassion for ourselves, we will actually see that we are the ones that can take the steps and can do the action because it is a psychological resource and inner strength that you can build through action. So what are the sum of the things that we can do to build compassion within us? Well, when we treat others with respect and caring, the best of them usually comes out. So we know this as, as much as we used to think it was about harshness and discipline and beating the best out of people, that never actually brought the best out in them. So when we treat others with respect and caring, the best in them does come out and much the same would happen if you started to treat yourself in the same way yet most of us are better friends to others than we are to ourselves we care about their pain we see positive qualities in them and we treat them fairly and kindly but are you a friend to you are you a kind friend to yourself well many of us aren't and that is just simply because we don't distance ourselves from that critical hyper-focused hyper diligent brain that is there to see your safety and to see threat everywhere and in the modern world that looks like becoming critical second guessing ourselves self-doubting ourselves tearing down rather than building up it is a total misunderstanding of a normal function of our mind it is the universal human experience and we will stay in that if we don't see there is another option. We will stay in that if it looks like we have to pay attention to that. And we will stay in that if it looks like it is who we are and it's not who you are. And they are not the things that are going to take you to thriving and to help you become resilient. You can't access all your resources in that. All you're accessing is the habitual nature of where you've been in the past. But it is so good to be for yourself. It's not selfish you do deserve it but some of the sometimes if we don't take this into our essence we do fall for these thoughts that say it's selfish to think about us but actually it's selfish not to think about you because a consequence of the relationship we have with ourselves and how we feel about ourselves is actually going to be reflected in how we treat other people and the more compassionate we can feel for ourselves the more compassion we can feel for other people so it absolutely is important to start building self-compassion but what does that actually feel like to care for yourself do you know what that feels like many of us actually don't but we have to start paying attention to what it feels like when we do care for ourselves when we feed ourselves well when we do the things that we nurture our sleep when we look after our physical and our mental health how does that feel notice the warmth and support it gives you when you do do those things for yourself, when you take the time to read a book or to have a nice relaxing bath or to, to just reflect on things and be with yourself and be kind and not critical, notice the feeling, but also notice the feeling of coldness and criticism when you don't do that. Now, what feeling do you want more of? And you can start cultivating the one you want more of. Now, I don't know anyone that wants more feeling of coldness and criticism 
Nobody wants that, but we get so caught up in that and so stuck in that and so habitually used to following that, that it's very hard to see that we have another option and you absolutely do, but you have to cultivate the other option. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like paying attention. It looks like getting off the default setting. It looks like being conscious and noticing when you start doing things that feel good, getting enough sleep, as I said, moving, being in nature, spending time alone, spending time with others, giving, doing the things that make you feel good and then consciously focusing on it and staying with that experience as long as you can without rushing on to the next one. Because we rush from one experience to another, most of the time our mind isn't with us, our brain is thinking about the past or the future, we're not actually present to the experience. We have many of these lovely experiences in every day, but we miss it. And so we sit in a mind that says, oh, we're never good enough, we don't feel enough, you know, there's no good in our day, I can't feel love, I can't feel compassion, because we've never noticed when we felt it. So you have to start to notice and be conscious with that experience when it happens. So that's the basis of true resilience is being able to turn your thoughts and feelings into lasting strengths within you. And the first step is to experience what you want to develop within yourself. So actively search for compassion within you, looking at yourself in the mirror and not focusing on the thoughts of judgment and harshness and the things you don't like about yourself, but start looking for the things that you love about yourself. If you can't see this in yourself, think about a child or a friend or someone you love that you have deep compassion for. And think about the feeling when you think about that within them. That is the feeling you're searching for within you. And when you focus on that, and you keep it going, you increase its consolidation in your brain and your nervous system. And that is how we fundamentally change our brain. Does it happen overnight? No, of course it doesn't. But this can become a part of your daily life. Instead of rushing from one thing to another on automatic pilot and then waking up one day and wondering why it feels like you're not the navigator of your own life, you're not the one choosing it, notice. Start to cultivate the feelings that you want more of. Who doesn't want more of these psychological resources that are associated with resilience? If you think about something like courage, so I tell my clients all the time that you can't wait for a feeling like courage to act. It won't come without action. You have to actually act and the courage will come after that. And then when it does come, when you do notice it, make that experience a part of your soul. Take it in, breathe it in, sit with it expand it, make it a part of who you are. Don't just rush off to the next thing, which is what your mind will want to do, but you have to resist it. You have to resist it and you have to learn to be present and you have to learn to pay attention. And if you can do that and you can do that consistently, you will start to change that default setting. You will start to change the way that you show up And when things happen in your life that you don't expect it or that you're used to leaning on things that are not compassionate and kind to yourself, like I did with alcohol and processed food and all of that stuff, you'll start to see that you don't actually need that stuff. There is no value in that stuff. The value lives in you and you can 
draw on that once you've created that experience within your nervous system and your brain and your body and you felt what that's like you can draw on that anytime that you see that you can but the trick is creating the choice really that's essentially what mental health is is about having access to choice we want to create a beautiful toolkit of resources mental resources that you can take with you and what a beautiful opportunity to practice coming up to Christmas parties traditionally a really busy time it doesn't have to be that way and actually challenge you to slow down and to stay present and to just be in the experience for what it is Um, you will just find it so much more enriching than rushing around everywhere and feeling like the world's going to end on the 26th of December if you don't get things done before Christmas or you don't see certain people before Christmas let that go people are still going to be there life is so much more than one day it's about the other 364 days are you making the most of that or not If you are interested in learning a little bit more about how to navigate Christmas, I am teaming up with two of my really dear friends and exceptional health coaches, Linda Rose and Catherine Main, and we are giving a free webinar tomorrow night on helping you navigate the silly season as best that we can without becoming totally derailed by the whole process, and we don't have to. And we're going to share how we've managed it, what we've seen around that. And it's all for free. I have a link below if you want to sign up. It's tomorrow night. I hope you found that interesting. And let me know. See you soon. Bye.